Hello, and thank you for listening to today's broadcast from Stony Point Baptist Church with Pastor Jim England. Today's message is a continuation in the series, Jesus' Ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And now, here's Brother Jim. I want to ask you to take your Bibles. We're looking in the Gospel of Luke. We've been studying in Luke's Gospel. We started last Sunday with the prodigal son, and if you missed that, then you can, uh, you can still go back on Spotify or Google or Apple and, and re-listen to that. Uh, but we're picking up with the, the prodigal this morning, and today we're focused on the Father, the loving Father that we have. So we're moving down to verse 20. So that's kind of almost the middle of the story. And just remember that the prodigal had asked for his inheritance early. It went out and had squandered all of it. And now he's decided he's going to return back to the Father. He's messed up. And so we're picking up then in Luke chapter 15 with verse 20. And it says, and he arose. We're talking about the prodigal. He arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And that's as far as he got. And then the father interrupts and he said, But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to be merry. Now his older brother was in the field, and when he came, he drew near to the house. And he heard music and dancing, so he called to one of the servants and asked, What are these things meant? And he said to him, Your brother has come, because he's received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore the father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, These many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you've never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. And let's have prayer together. Lord, I ask your blessings. Help us, Lord, to continue to grow in wisdom and knowledge, and may we sense your presence today. And Lord, may you bless these men. May you challenge them, and may you help each of us to be drawn near to you. If anyone doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I ask your Holy Spirit would be able to provide a conviction and help them to make that decision today. And I give you thanks for answering prayer. I thank you for being with us, and we pray your blessings now. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a card company that contacted a prison. They contacted the warden, and they said, you know, we're going to do something special Mother's Day. They said, we're going to make it where any of your prisoners, if they want a card, they can request it, and they can send it to their mother. And so they said, okay. And they did that, and they let the prisoners know, and they had hundreds respond, and they got cards, and they sent out to their mothers. That same company called the warden again, and he said, it's Father's Day. 
we want to make the same offer. And so sure enough, they let the prisoners know not one, not one got a card to send to their father. Not one. Now, you say, well, that's kind of heartbreaking. It goes together. Over 70% of prisoners come from fatherless homes. Teenagers, juveniles in prison, over 85% come from fatherless homes. You look and you say, I wonder what's wrong with our country. A lot of it has to do with fatherlessness. If you want to fix the country, a lot of it is we need to be able to have a commitment to dads. Some people say that dads don't make much of a difference. You look at the statistics, dads make a big difference. Huge difference. Another thing that dads do, they help us to be able to have an understanding of God. And unfortunately, many people have the wrong understanding of God. The great thing about this passage of Scripture is it helps us to straighten out and see more about God, more about what He's really like. It gives us a picture. And sometimes we, we really do need, we've kind of got the false impression and we need that. Now, last week when we was talking about the prodigal, we ended up talking about repentance. And so we want to begin there today because the prodigal had been out and he had decided this isn't working. He's in the pig pen. His life has been ruined. He's lost everything. Nowhere to go. And there he said, you know what? Uh, my dad treats people, the worst people, better than this. I'd be in better shape if I just go to him. I'm going back to the father. Now, the son then, the prodigal, heads back. And we get an idea of what repentance is. But you know, a lot of times, when somebody has made some mistakes, and we just wonder if they say, hey, I'm sorry, do they really mean that? How do we know if it's real or if it's phony? Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm sorry, and it turns out it's phony? How do you know? How do you know if it's real repentance? The Apostle Paul writes about that. You can find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, in about verse 9 through verse 13. He talks about the difference between what he calls worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Worldly remorse and godly remorse. So one of the differences is, is a person that is sorry they got caught. This isn't godly sorrow. This is worldly sorrow. You heard me tell this story. When I was young, we was at my grandparents' house, my cousins and I, and we were upstairs. We were, we were told, you know, you're not supposed to be roughhousing. Ah, we started wrestling. Next thing you know, I was trying to be able to get some leverage to be able uh, to get my cousin and I stuck my foot up on the wall to get that leverage. And my foot went through that wall. <laughs> it was a hole. I mean, a big hole in the wall. We stopped wrestling, and we were immediately sorry. We wished that we hadn't done that. Now, it wasn't a godly sorrow. It was a worldly sorrow. You know why we were sorry? We were caught. <laughs> 
there was a big hole in the wall. And there's a lot of people today. Their sins, and by the way, that's what the Bible says. Your sins will find you out. They're caught. And they'll say, I'm sorry. It's not really a godly sorrow. It's not really, I wish this hadn't happened. It's, I wish I hadn't got caught. And they'll go right back to the same thing if they feel like they can get away with it. See, that's a worldly sorrow. Sometimes they're sorry, not because they got caught. They're, they're sorry because they've caused harm. They've hurt somebody. Didn't intend to hurt anybody. I was just wanting to have fun. I didn't really want to be able to cause harm. And so sometimes they're sorry, and they're sorry that they was hurt. A lot of times with worldly sorrow, you see somebody that's still making excuses. Oh, I'm sorry this happened, but it's really not my fault. And so when all that takes place, that's a worldly sorrow. That's not true repentance. It's not going to lead you to the Lord. Now, that's not what we have that's going on here. The prodigal, it wasn't worldly sorrow. This is going to be godly sorrow. What's godly sorrow? Well, godly sorrow is actually remorse. It's a sorrow that says, I've sinned, and I recognize that, and I'm sorry that I've done it. I see that this, this doesn't work like I thought it would. True repentance. You want a passage of Scripture that will help you? Psalm 51. You want to study repentance? Psalm 51. Here's a psalm that David wrote after his sin with Bathsheba. You know what's interesting? Verse 4 of Psalm 51, David looks up to God. He says, against you and you only have I sinned, God. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, David. Wait a minute. What about this fella whose wife that you had an affair with? You had him put to death, basically. Don't you think you sinned against him? Don't you think you sinned against his family? You're the king. You set a terrible example. Don't you think you've sinned against people? But see, here's something that David recognized. The reason that we have sin is because God has given us standards and He's given us the commandments. And so you see, God, since He sets the standards, what sin is, is it's going against God. David recognizes that, and David said, the reason this is wrong is because you say it's wrong. You see what, what the world says today? If it feels good, it's got to be right. No, it doesn't. Just because it feels good, just because it says, this is going to make me feel better. It's going to make me feel better to get revenge. It's going to make me feel better to be able to uh, hurt somebody. You see, that doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. And so David recognizes that. He recognizes that it's God that sets the standards, and so it's God that he sinned against. And so he was remorseful. That's what happens with the prodigal. The prodigal says, I've sinned. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against my father. I don't even deserve. See, that's when you can tell somebody is being touched. I don't deserve any positions. I deserve punishment. I deserve what I'm getting. Remorse. Godly sorrow is what re really leads 
to change. What really needs to change? You know, I mentioned Psalm 51, verse 13. So David, he, he's praying. You say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, create in me a, a clean heart, renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then after he prays that, he says this, verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. Sinners should be converted to you. David says, I want to change so much that I can be able to have an impact upon other people. See that? That's real godly sorrow. It's a change that takes place. Now, let's take a look in this parable. Father's response. And let's just remember this. You remember... Jesus told three parables. The one of the lost sheep. And the shepherd there gives us a picture of Jesus. Jesus goes out after the, after the one that's lost. He loves, his, he, loves the, he loves you and he's going out for you when you're lost. In the lost coin, we see a picture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit down in the dirt and mud. He, he's there convicting and cleaning. Here in the prodigal son, we get a picture of God the Father. So notice about this father. As Jesus is telling the story, the son heads back home. The son is headed home, and then it says, the Bible tells us here, that the father sees him a long way off. The picture is this, that the father has actually been looking for the son this whole time. The father each day, is out looking, and so at a distance, he can tell, that's my boy. He can tell by the way that he's walking. He can just tell, that's him, his gait. That's him. It's a surprise. It surprises people to know that God, with all the things that's going on in this world, all the activity that he's concerned about you, that he's looking for you, he knows you, it's a surprise. And then he tells us that the father runs. Look with me again, verse, uh, verse 20. He arose, he came to his father, but when he was still a great while, his father saw him. He had compassion and he ran. Now, back in those days, in the Middle East, and now, not only in those days, but it's still true today. In the Middle East, older men did not run. It was not dignified. They didn't run. But here, the father runs. See, it's not about dignity. Why does the father run? He loves his son. He had compassion for him. Not only does he love his son, but also he wanted to protect his son. You see, the law said, when a son has been that type of disgrace... He could be stoned. And it could be that the father was just thinking, you know what? Some of these neighbors, some of my servants, if they see this boy, they might take vengeance. Some of them may have picked up stones like a stray dog and just throwing it and saying, get out of here. You're not welcome here anymore. Leave. Father didn't want that. And the father runs, girts up, his outfit, and he runs. 
because he wants to protect his son. He loves his son. He loves his child. See, it's not just true of boys. It's also true of girls. God loves his children. And if you strayed, you start to be able to say, I'm going home. You take that step. God runs. I remember when I became a Christian. You may not be able to relate, but many of you can. When I became a Christian, I was at church. It was a Sunday morning. Oh, my heart was heavy. God had really been dealing with me. And I just remember being under conviction. And I'd just come to the point where I was just like, God, I can't go on like I'm going. I don't know what else to do. And I was just like, Lord, I give you my life. And I was at church, and I just remember taking a step, one step. I don't remember another one. It was just like that God met me right there, one step. It was like God ran to me. It's amazing. Meet you halfway. No, not with God. You take that step, and He's there. He loves. And that's the picture that we get. God loves you. The Father loves you. And sometimes it's just hard for us to be able to comprehend that God loves us that much. And he, the Father embraces. He kisses His Son. Think about that. This boy's come from the pig pen. He looks terrible. He stink, stinks. He's filthy. He's gross. And the Father runs and hugs him. It doesn't matter. That's His child. And he kisses him because it's his son that's come home. And it's kind of interesting to be able to look at the father's orders then. Notice verse 22. The father said to the servants, bring out the best robe. You see, back then they kept robes, especially if you had some wealth, for people that were distinguished, honored guests. And so he's saying, Bring out the best robe. Here's somebody we're going to honor. You're going to honor this guy? Bring out the best robe. Some people have thought even that maybe it was the father's robe. The father may have said, bring out my robe, the most expensive, the best. Kind of reminds me of Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. There, Jesus says, to those that overcome, to those that overcome, they'll be clothed in white garments. They shall be with me in the white for eternity, for they are worthy. White garments. Later on, Jesus would say in the book of Revelation that they would wear robes of righteousness. You know, when you become a Christian, Jesus takes our sin and in return gives us His righteousness. And we're able to be clothed in righteousness. It's almost like God is saying, you know, I don't, or the Father saying, I don't see the filth. I'm clothing Him with my righteousness. That's what God does. Bring not just the best robe, bring a ring. A ring, remember like kings had those signet rings, so whenever they gave orders, they would stamp it with the ring. And so if they wanted to give you some authority, they could say, you could take my ring, stamp it, then it has authority. It's like me saying it. 
give him the ring, authority. I'm giving him a position. When you become a Christian, you know when it comes time to pray, Jesus said we could pray in his name. Why does he do that? It's like a ring. Position. Put sandals on his feet. Servants, they didn't wear shoes. They went barefoot. You know what he's saying? This is my child. Put shoes on his feet. Bring the sandals. And then one more thing. Get the fatted calf out. They had always kept a calf ready for whenever there was special events, a dignitary that was coming in. And here the, God, the father says, get the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate. You know, it just reminds us. Every parable that Jesus has told in this chapter, the lost sheep was found. When the lost coin was found, there was a celebration. And Jesus then reminded them, whenever somebody becomes a Christian, there is a celebration in heaven. A celebration that angels are rejoicing. There's a huge celebration. And Jesus is just reminding us that again. When somebody's saved, we celebrate. There has been a change, and it's worth celebrating. Then we get to, I told you we'd talk about the older brother. The older brother comes in. He said, what's going on here? They said, well, your brother has come in. Now, it's interesting to see the older brother's response. The older brother is angry. Can you believe that? Your brother has come home. He's a phony, and he is angry with him. Now, who does the older brother remind us of? Well, remember when this, Jesus started with these parables. Jesus, back in chapter 15, verse 1, it says this, Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him, and the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus began to speak these parables. Jesus is talking about this older brother represents the religious leaders of that day. Now, there's people today that's going to say, Well, that's not me. Oh, well, listen to this. I remember when I was young, all of a sudden, our church just began to explode. It was incredible. Everybody began inviting people to church, and it seemed like everybody was coming. And just all of a sudden, people that you normally would sit by, you couldn't sit by because somebody else was sitting by. And you know what? I didn't like it too well. I was like, I don't like this. I don't seem like I'm as important or as popular. I don't like it. Let me ask you something. Is church about you and your glory, or is it about Him and His glory? You know, it really doesn't matter how popular one of us are. It's about Jesus and what He's doing in people's lives. That's what it's about. And we're not careful. You know, we find ourselves just like those Pharisees, and we get mad. I'm just mad. I'm, I'm going to lose my position. I'm going to lose some of my influence and my uh, power. Okay? But heaven has been changed. A life has been turned around. What's more important? So the older brother was angry and he was jealous. 
incredible. Not only that, he won't go in. So the father comes out and he says, what's going on? And he says, Father, I have never broken one of your commandments. See his self-righteousness? Never. There's a lot of people today that will never make it into heaven. You know why? Just saying something just like this guy did. I'm good. I've never done anything wrong. I've never disappointed you. I've always been good. Jesus is going to say in a couple of chapters, He's going to say, there is nobody good but God. None of us can make it to heaven with our own righteousness. We've all made mistakes. One fellow told John Wesley one time, this general, he said, I'll never forgive. And John Wesley said, well, I hope you never sin. And that's our problem. We're all sinners. This fellow was self-righteous. He was just full of pride. He's like, Lord, I've never broken your commandments, and I've never squandered anything like this boy has. He's kind of like the, the Pharisee that said, I'm glad I'm not like him. He's full of pride. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Here's the truth. This guy was not, this is, the older son was not like his father. When you're a child, you should be like your father. You should have some resemblance. But his heart was far from his father's. His heart was about himself. His heart was not about those that are lost, those that are in need. God the Father loves people. God the Father wants the gospel shared. And if you and I aren't willing to love people, if you and I aren't willing to share the gospel, we're out of the will of God. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. Parable of the prodigal son. Is it good for Father's Day? It is good for Father's Day. Because it reminds us of God the Father. And there's people that are here today. Maybe your father's not been the best example. But that doesn't mean that you're not loved. God loves you. And yes, God disciplines us. And yes, God has standards. But God loves you. And when you decide that you want to get your life right, and you want to do right, and you want to come to Him, He's running to you. He's willing to forgive and wrap His robe of righteousness around you. He's willing to be able to take you in. Not hold your past against you. Allowing what His Son, Jesus, went to the cross, shed His blood just so that that could take place, so that God could be just. And today, you can come and you can receive forgiveness. You know, as a dad, it is, the day we live in, it's overwhelming. It's a challenge. There's so, there's, it seems like that everybody's against dads. The media, we got joke books. Everybody wants to make jokes about dads. Dads are incompetent. It's tough. But I'll tell you something. That's not how God views dads. God's still looking for godly men to be strong, men with integrity. And today, this is what this world needs. We're going to change the world. It's going to be a dad's. 
And the Lord, it may be today as a father, you just want to come and just rededicate yourself. Maybe today you just want to come and say, Lord, set me on the right foot. This, <laughs> it is a challenge, and I'm distracted, and it's tough. I'm listening to all these other things, and I need to get back in tune with you. And then it could be as a kid, a child, or maybe whatever age we are, we think about our dads and we know we've gone astray. We're not living like we're supposed to. And maybe today you just want to come and just say, I, I want to rededicate myself. Or maybe you just want to come and give thanks because you know the dad that you've got, you're blessed. Not everybody has a godly dad. And you just want to come and give thanks. We're going to have a moment of prayer. And if you feel like that you want to make a decision, you're going to have that opportunity. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much. What a wonderful day you've given us. We're so grateful to be able to honor you. Thank you for each one that's come today. I am so grateful for everybody that's come to honor these men. And Lord, now we want to honor you. And to honor you, we need to be obedient. Your Spirit, the Holy Spirit is speaking. You're touching us right now. You're touching hearts, speaking to minds. Help us to be obedient. Lord, if we need to come and make decisions, help us to take that step of faith. Lord, there's some that may need experience. They don't think they can be loved. They need to experience your love. I just ask that you can make yourself real to that person. I thank you again for each one that's here. I pray your blessings now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Pastor Jim England. If you missed a sermon or would like to re-listen to a message, you can find Brother Jim on Spotify, Google, and Apple under Stony Point Podcast with Jim England. God bless you.